Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the World Cup on Caught Offside. Rivaldo! Oh, it's come on, come on. Rivaldo! Brazil are in front! It's Ronaldo! Finally on YouTube. That's even bigger. This is what dreams are made of, my friend. This is what the dreams of pretty much every single animal are made of. <laughs> All their dreams are being fulfilled right now. I'm wearing a, a hooded sweatshirt. I'm an average-looking white male. This is what it's all about. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this, the decision to to do our first ever live YouTube uh, whatever you call it, a live stream to do it now. Whatever you call it, you sound like my dad. Whatever you call it, whatever the <laughs> but, kids are saying these days. But I was just thinking about like the, almost the hilarity of this decision that like we've never done this before. Most people, I think, in a normal situation would have kind of tested this during like, you nah. know, uh, during like a summer friendly. Let's quietly do this, work the kinks out. No, no, no. We've saved our first ever live stream on YouTube for the night before the U.S. men return to the World Cup in their game tomorrow at 2 o'clock Eastern time against Wales. That is when we have decided to break this out. So whatever is about to happen, technical difficulties, uh, whatever live incidents occur, uh, this, is, this, is how we, this is how we wanted it. This is the way it was always meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't keep up with the comments. The unbelievable stuff here going on. People are very disappointed in, in, in your hoodie, though. Take oh. the hoodie off. Put a jersey on. For God's sake, man. 
You know, I do. I have one actually here, literally. But you're afraid to expose the weird body syndrome. Well, obviously, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take my shirt off on the live stream. I just wasn't sure if we were going to try to like, you know, if there was going to be some like air of professionalism here. No, it's although still- I, su- I suppose we've spent eight and a half years throwing that out the window. So why would tonight be any different? Well, okay, yeah. Do your usual thing where you downplay all our efforts while mm-hmm. I try to talk them up. But let's cut through that. There are rules. There are no uh, emblems allowed in the press box. But clearly, we are not in the press box. So why wouldn't I wear something patriotic? I'm excited. Yeah, I'm you know pumped what? for tomorrow. Yeah. While you're talking, at some point, I'll I'll throw it on. Right. Um, this is going to be a blast. I, I I honestly have been looking forward to this. I was going to say all day, really, since we decided to do this, since we decided to get on YouTube, finally, probably years too late, but you know, su- such is life now that we've become independent. So, Jesus I've been... Christ, you are the worst. Why? You, you can't. You, can you say a sentence without some kind of recriminations right now? We're supposed to be uh, being happy. Old I'm recriminatory thrilled. Andy. I'm thrilled. And I, I've been looking forward to this for such a long time. And so here we go. I mean, JJ said that there... If you're on the YouTube stream right now, you can start sending in comments. We'll be taking them all throughout the course of this podcast. This is a, a U.S. special. We're going to be looking ahead to um, tomorrow's match, of course, but um, really kind of the road ahead over the next, I mean, hopefully more than just eight days. We hope that this is an extended stay for the U.S. men's national team in Qatar. So we're going to, we've got a bunch of things that we're going to bounce around between uh, over the course of the next uh, hour or so. We'll see how long this goes. There's really no... There's no concrete end point to this. We'll take it as long as we want. Uh, remember to keep your feeds refreshed for the regular podcast. We'll probably pod this as well. Uh, so maybe you're listening to this as just an audio only vehicle right now, but keep the feeds refreshed because the world cup is underway and we are going to be extremely busy. Uh, the plan of course, for us is to have another podcast out sometime after the U S Wales match, of course. So you'll see that either late Monday night or early Tuesday morning, something to that effect. Uh, going to do another YouTube stream that's the plan for tuesday and then uh, we'll take it from there but keep them keep the feeds refreshed constantly all throughout the course of this tournament uh get on youtube obviously you're here right now get those notifications up subscribe on youtube because there's going to be a lot of content coming your way there as well this should be fun my friend Uh, i can't wait so i'm going to lean on you because i can't see the comments so only you have that power so i'm going to lean on you to kind of throw them in whenever it's fit and uh we're going to get rolling you good yeah, I'm very good. A lot of people are saying that they want you to go full kit W. Um, I do. Ha- I actually have U.S. shorts upstairs. Um, the they don't go with the jersey. They're navy blue. The jersey I have is white. Nobody, by the way, your legs are like, they're like ham that's been rolled on a barbershop floor. Nobody wants to see those things. What a description. Ugh. Uh, the hamburger says it's super weird hearing your voices come out of actual faces. That's true. It is weird. Yeah, Science is a crazy thing. It's, pr- it's pretty strange, all right. Um, yeah, um, by the way, just, just before we get into it, Andrew, um, there's been some interaction. We've got animals on the ground in Qatar. Mm. And um, so a lot has been going on. And uh, Jonathan Sanchez, regular listener, sent us a picture. Me and my dad were at this game. So it was Ecuador, Qatar, and we were shocked that people started leaving at halftime. And by the 70th 70th minute, it was almost a third empty. It was more than that by the looks of TV. By the end, that game, the opening game of the World Cup today, had the vibe of a, you know, midsummer or preseason friendly. Yeah, so Gab Marcotti wrote, he already has an an article up at (laughs) ESPNFC.com devoted to that. Uh, He was really taken aback by it as 
many people were who were watching that game on TV, just because it's, again, I think we're just going to have to familiarize ourselves with this feeling throughout the course of this tournament. Like it's a sight that you're just not accustomed to when it comes to watching a host nation at a world cup in a match that is still, even though it never really felt like Qatar, were going to come back and, and tie that game up, get those two goals back. Still, it wasn't five nil. Like it was, they were down two. Like that's within some level of striking distance. You would think even if they were down five nil, people there would still want to see them maybe score their first ever goal in a major tournament. So it was just weird. It was a weird sight to see. But like I said, like familiarize yourself with that feeling because this tournament is just, it's going to be different than what you've been accustomed to all the tournaments before. And they've done their best to, to create a soccer culture there, but they don't have one. And right. I can imagine that there was many, many rich people there and the party was ruined uh, by the fact that Ecuador came in and they were having no more of this. And it's funny because Ireland hammered them last year in a friendly at Lansdowne Road. And I thought, wow, are Qatar really bad? And then I thought about them against the US in the Gold Cup, which they were in for some unfathomable reason. And I thought, yeah, maybe they're not that bad, but they're they're actually pretty bad. And most people just want them to be absolutely destroyed at this tournament. Which is, again, which is odd. Oftentimes at these tournaments, the home nation is kind of like, I don't know, they're sort of like fun to root for. I think of South Africa and how just like everyone got on board with that, you know, South Korea in 2002, like they just, you kind of, if you were a neutral, you kind of gravitated towards those stories. This one feels different. It just, yeah. just does. Yeah. The other thing was, um, as I mentioned, we have animals on the ground. Uh, the, so there was the BBC did some videos inside the, the fan accommodation, these, these tent villages that they've put down, which people are comparing to Firefest, and the reviews are not good, Andrew. Um, Imagine that carpets on the sand and tiny little uh, padlocks for your tent and the the rubber or the the plastic that's used for the tents. Crazily enough, that shit gets really hot. And in the beating sun of the desert, it was unbearable for some people to go inside and have a rest or a sleep inside their tent. There are 170 pounds sterling. That's two hundred dollars a night for this accommodation. And, and one of the things was someone walked in and they said, Oh, my floor's a bit bumpy. They went to the corner of the, of the tent of the, the tent accommodation and they pulled up the carpet to find sand underneath. Yeah. Just lay the carpet down on sand. Uh, Andrew Tucci is a listener. He's on the ground. First thing I noticed about this place is it's empty. The buildings aren't at all finished like skyscrapers that a floor still being built. But another thing is that most people working in the city, hotels, restaurants, drivers, are all migrant workers from a different country. Hmm. They are all extremely kind, though, at least in my interactions, and they speak decent English. Okay, interesting. Good to know. At some point, JJ, we should, I feel like, over the course of this tournament, devote a segment or two to reading the Yelp reviews of all those staying in shipping containers. (laughs) Those would be interesting reads. Shipping containers. I mean, when they built a stadium out out of it, I thought, ooh, that's, that's innovative. But it is not a place to stay in the desert. And if you stay for the duration of, a t- of the tournament, you will be charged something in the region of $7,000 for your shipping container. That is something. Uh, all right, here we go. Why we're here. The U S after an eight and a half year wait are back in the world cup Monday. Of course you are all aware at this point, two o'clock Eastern time, the U S and Wales. It is, it is just a thing that we have been waiting so, so long for. And I'm just, you know, before we even kind of get into 
like the nuts and bolts of you know this team and and our outlook and all that i'm just kind of curious to like take your temperature of where you're at and like what what you're kind of thinking about over the course of you know this road back to this point i mean i know i've i've kind of been you know flooded with with thoughts about all this as we've led back up to this moment i mean for me you know i think about that night we always say the night that will never be named against Trinidad and Tobago, but yet we talk about it more than probably any podcast in existence. The The main image for me that I've been thinking about leading up uh, to this game for the U.S. is Pulisic. I mean, because like if you remember at the end of that game against Trinidad, there were a lot of veteran players for that U.S. team that had been through the wars with this team and, and had been through some of these difficult moments and good moments and all that. Um, and But Pulisic had not. Like that was, you know, he was already emerging as the best player on the team, even at that young age that he was, what was he 17 at that point? Mm. Um, And I just remember him just almost inconsolable on the field after the game in tears that it felt like this moment that he had been kind of waiting for uh, that he had been building towards, you know, over the course of his very young career uh, that it had kind of been taken from him, that it felt like that was going to, that world cup was going to be a chance to really, announce himself to the world in a way that he was starting to like, you could see it coming. Um, but it felt like that was going to be a really big moment where, you know, this kid was going to appear at the world cup and kind of take everybody by storm and who knows what that was going to lead to. And in the end, it still happened to a certain extent. He still earned a huge money move to Chelsea, but I just think about his emotions that night. And, you know, the fact that that was supposed to be sort of the anointing of the next great U S superstar. And we had to wait, but now here we are, he's back in it. And it's uh, funny. He'll have his chance. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't think about any of that, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, the, the first thing that sprang to mind over the last few years was Dave Sarakin's first game. The first game since the unpleasantness, November 14th, 2017. And I remember at the time I thought it was just so almost unfair, a, a weird cruelty to have friendly games after the debacle in, in Cuba. But the with the the post Trinidad Tobago era began with a one one draw against Portugal in a friendly, and you know you had to start somewhere. The comeback had to start somewhere, and it was fitting that Tyler Adams would start and Weston McKinney would score in that one one draw. And I was looking at the team that Sarakin picked, and it was Ho- Hovarth and goal, John Brooks and Matt Miaz get centre back, Yedlin on the right. Eric Lehigh on the left, mm. Danny Williams in midfield. Now, wait for the rest of this team. So you have Juan Agadello on the left-hand side of a four-man kind of midfield attack. Weston McKinney, Kellen Acosta in midfield, survivors. Tyler Adams in the side. And up front leading the line, Andrew, CJ Sapong. I mean, that's only four years ago. Like yeah, the, number, the amount of things that change in such a short amount of time. Yeah, it's interesting too. Like if you think back to the last time we saw the U S in a world cup, of course, that, that night in uh, against Belgium, the two, one defeat. And, you know, only, I guess over the course of eight years, it's not as surprising, but just one player remains from that team. And Deandre Yedlin, uh, who's was on that roster that night and, uh, and really made a name for himself that night when he came on as a sub and, really shut down Eden Hazard. And now he's back on the team again. John Ellington is asking in the comments, uh, what happened to Williams? I remember he was at Reading. I think he's playing in Cyprus now. Hmm. Um, I didn't, I didn't find out whether that was Cyprus Hills, Queens or, or, or just actual Cyprus. I think it's Cyprus. 
Um, the animals are uh, assembling, by the way. It's, it's, it's awesome to see everybody here. It's so cool. Um, yeah, but th- 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 those were my thoughts. And the, the one other thought that I had was uh, San Pedro Sula. Just last September, remember how we, we started off with a draw in El Salvador and people were like, ah, and then people were like, eh, after a draw against Canada. And so we go into this game needing the win and we go one nil down. It was a, the first, the first half. half was one of the worst first halves I've seen this team play. Yeah, but the team rallied, got back, scored four goals in the second half. And that kind of lanced a bit of negativity and set them on the way. Now, it was their only win away from home in qualifying, which is something that really, I mean, we have two wins away from home across two qualifying cycles in CONCACAF. That is, that is not good. But at no. the same time, if we had lost that game in San Pedro Sula last September, we, I mean, I can't even imagine what the mood would have been. It was bad enough that we only got five points. People were naive enough to think we we're going to get nine out of that run. Um, but, but yeah, that for me was a turning point. So, um, yeah, and I mean, now, you, you, you do now, think about like the, the big moments from the course of the qualifying run. And obviously people will think about Mexico um, and that win in Cincinnati, but really, I mean, you're right. Like that Anthony Robinson goal early in the second half, it felt like that was a, that was a turning point moment that it sort of like settled things down. And then you're right. The onslaught came after that for that night and it kind of steadied the course. It still was not perfect. Like the qualifying was not smooth sailing all the way till the end. I mean, remember that they they kind of backed in with that last day loss. They had done the work ahead of time where they could afford to have that happen. Um, But it was not always smooth, but yeah, that I, I do remember distinctly that Anthony Robinson goal being a really important one over the course of, of qualification. Was really good to be able to go to our next part of this podcast. And it's it's the now. We're at a World Cup. That that to me is just so exciting. Yeah. Um, some of the big stories, of course, for this team over the course of the last 24 to 48 hours or so. The big one, I guess, being that Tyler Adams has been named uh captain of the US for this World Cup. Uh don't have a ton to say about it because honestly, I don't find it to really be in any way, a controversial decision. I do think that he is a heart and soul player. I mean, if we're, you know, if we want to talk about the best players on the team, I still think it's Pulisic. Um, totally disagree with that. But What's that? I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's the most important player in the team. I mean, he Who, might Pulisic? Be, no, I yeah. said the best player on the team. I, I don't think he is, but, hmm. I, I, but, um, but go on. I was going to say Adams may not necessarily be what I view as the best player on the team, but he he's certainly up there, but it's more than that for a guy like him. It's just like, it's just this bulldog mentality. You know, the, the we've seen it with him at Leeds United so far this season, in the Premier League, just kind of like a total fearlessness, a work rate that is pretty much unparalleled. Uh, you know, he is, I think when you, when you kind of list out the attributes of what it is that you envision a captain to be, it's, he he kind of checks all the boxes. So yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's the right decision. And he's so young. So it's setting up a run where he could kind of be like the leader of this team for like truly a generation. I think he'll be captain of his club team in in, in due course if he stays there. Um I think he's just a brilliant leader. I think he leads by example. And look, we we get the idea of captains. Who do we think of? We think of people like Roy Keane, so hard, tough, a very good footballer in midfield. And Adams is in that kind of mold. And we think of centre-backs, occasionally goalkeepers and the odd-time strikers. In fact, probably more often than 
than we realise they're strikers. But I like the idea of a captain in centre mid, but it's not that he's, oh, he's a centre midfielder, he's a tough tackler. He's a guy who has charisma and character. And you can see him getting into his teammates, getting into the opposition, as we've seen for Leeds, what he does. He has zero, zero um, worry or zero respect for anyone on the field. He is a leader. He is very, very good at covering ground. And leading by example is so important in that role, a role which is probably overrated in many senses. But if you are going to be captain, you've got to play like it. And so far this season, he's been brilliant. And I can't think of a better captain on this team right now. I really can't. Yeah. And I saw, you know, I think it was Weston McKinney. Um, I was reading about it at MLSsoccer.com, who I think it was him who referenced the fact that Adams was he was captain of the U.S. back in their in their youth ranks when they were coming up. Like he's some guys leadership just comes easy to them. Uh, and he is one of those guys. And it's you know, you, you feel comfortable with the the armband being around him. So, I mean, maybe others disagree. I don't know if you're seeing anything in the comments of people saying it should be someone else. But I, I think. I mean, I think you'd be you'd be putting up a losing argument. I think I think he's the right choice. Now, before we move off of that, though, so you're going to sit there. <laughs> sorry, you're, you're gonna... sorry, Andrew, Stephen Brennan. I came for the washing machine, and I will leave disappointed. Old I'll move laundry... right now. You, I'll move right in there. It's right around the. It's down the hall. <laughs> Old laundry room, Andy. That's what they want. They want but we're, the laundry. But we're running. Content. We're running a load right now, so it'd be too loud <laughs> for me to do the pod from in there. McKenny, Pulisic. But but what I was saying, so you're gonna you're gonna publicly humiliate me, like my like me saying Christian Pulisic's the best player on the team was some like wild statement, and then you're not gonna say who you think it is that, think that I'm I, so I, wrong. I think I think the, the the technically the best player in the team in in the squad, and a player we don't really have anybody else close to, is Gio Reyna. That and no, look at you, look at the head. That's a tough one because like we haven't seen I. It's hard for me to say you're wrong because, like, in spurts where we see him, he he does show it. But we saw him so little throughout the course of qualifying down to injury. What was it? He made four appearances. Um, so, like, I don't know that he's going to start for this team right now. Uh, so, I, I, it's hard for me to agree with that. Just on the body of work of what we've seen through the course of Pulisic's career, both for the national team, for Dortmund, for Chelsea, like... You're right. In a theoretical world where Gio Reyna is healthy, like, okay, I guess maybe, but just on the body of what you've seen, I don't, I don't know that that is a thing you can really say. You might wind up being, you might wind up being right, but up to this point, I don't know how you can say that. Steve Ellis saying it, uh, sample size is lacking. Daniel Medina, we haven't seen enough of Ray consistently. Uh, Jake Braymill or Christian Roldan. What uh, Trey Pisano, Reina is best, just need to stay healthy. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, guys. All right, don't pile on me. Don't you just start yeah, defending. On. Get him. Stick it right in there. Get him. All right, okay. Jeez. Uh, um, the other, do you have anything else on uh, on Adam's captaincy? Because I'll move on. Uh, I would say that, I no, I'm, 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 I'm just kind of happy with it. I think it's the right choice. Oh, yeah. Totally agree. Uh, and then the other thing, which I would say I'm kind of happy with as well, is that over the course of the last 24 hours or so, um, it appears that both Weston McKinney and Serginio Dest have been medically cleared and should be good to go. Should Greg Berhalter want to use them? Um, that is good. Whether or not right out of the gate, they'll be capable of giving 90 minutes. Um, that remains to be seen or capable of, of coming right out and, and playing the first game at all. 
Uh, we'll see. But it's good to know that whatever concerns there were over the course of the last few weeks regarding their health seems like that's behind them. I mean, well, we talked about this recently, JJ, like we over the last year in looking at when this tournament was going to be, we've been we've been nervous for a year about how injuries were going to impact this team. And like we said, there were some impactful ones. Miles Robinson obviously was a huge one. Sam Vines right near the end was a tough one. Um, we had some close calls with De La Torre, Weston, you know, Anthony Robinson, who's been back, but he hurt his ankle a few, you know, month or so ago. But everybody's here for the most part. And so it's it's going to be a pretty representative side. And and not every team in this tournament, we'll talk about France later, can even come close to saying that. So you gotta feel you gotta feel pretty good about where we're at roster-wise. Yeah, I, I should just say that um Grant Wall has a newsletter for the World Cup, and um he had some quotes from Bearhalter about specifically about the injuries to McKinney and Serginio Dest, or not the injuries, but where they're at in terms of their fitness. And so Bearhalter said, we're working through that. We're pretty much done, but a couple of things need to keep working on. In terms of Weston and Serginio, they've made great progress. We see them as being able to take part in the game for how long we have to see. But that's the beauty of having five substitutes. They can either come into the game or we can start them and take them out of the game when we feel that they're getting close to that threshold. But both of them, I think, are definitely in position to help this team tomorrow, which is, this is the typical vague stuff that, that Bearhalter does so perfectly. Like he's not showing his hand at all there. It's, it's really hard to know whether either of them will play, both of them will start, one of them will come start. They'll both come on as subs. We don't know. So I, I would hold off yet. There, it sounds to me like one of them may not start. Um, but I, I would hope that Dest is fit. Um, I hope they're both fit, but I, I really do hope Dest is fit considering how important the fullbacks are to to this side. Uh, yeah, that is true. Um, although, I mean, we do have, there are options at right back. You know, if this was a left back situation, I think it'd be different. You know, like I've talked about with Anthony Robinson, there's just not other guys who do that at that position. A right um, back. Is this a left back? Uh so, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, yes. Like, Serginio Dest is the best of that group. I would like him out there. I mean, look, if we're ranking them, who would we like, who would we rather be at 100%? It's a tough call because I forget who it was I saw talking about this earlier today. But with McKinney, you know, okay, so if he, if he can't quite go just yet, I can think of other lineups that work. Well, you'd put Kellen, other guys coming for Acosta him. would slide in there, I guess. Yeah, potentially. Maybe they kind of, you know, there's all this talk about Arena and Aronson. Is there a spot for either of them in the starting 11? If, I think there's a way that if McKinney wasn't going to start, you could find a way of shoehorning in one of those guys. I think you could find a lineup there that works. But the thing about Weston McKinney that I think sometimes people undervalue um, is, you know, in these tournaments, JJ, the importance of set pieces yeah, and just how valuable he can be on the receiving ends of those. We've seen it for the U.S., Juventus. We've certainly seen it there as well. Uh, in the Champions League. So I would not, for everyone who's so quick to say, oh, if he can't go, that's fine. Like, we got other guys. Like, he's he's a really important player for this team. I would not be so quick to just kind of, like, undervalue some of the the thing, the qualities that he brings to them. Greg Perez says, Hadji Wright has to start against Wales. Mm. I would be shocked if that's what they do. I would be I absolutely floored. I can't envision that at all. I think that there's, I mean, should we get into it now? Like I wasn't, I don't know if I was going to do starting 11s here, but if people like we can go there right now. No, 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 we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I think we should do that before I talk about Wales. Cause let me tell you guys, old patriotic Andy on this rundown has the world 
Wales, I think, twice in the rundown. It is if we had the yeah. if we had the uh, the shocking system right now, Andrew, you'd be getting zapped. Well, don't take it to mean that I'm not afraid. I'm afraid of everything. <laughs> but I just know like where my interest lies as a fan that's waited eight and a half years for this team to be back here. Like, yeah, I, of course I care about the opposition, but I care about us right now a whole lot more. And I want to talk about us. We'll talk about Wales. Don't worry. Like you said, I had them, I had them listed here twice. That's enough. What do you need? Well, I'll, uh, don't worry, guys. I'll give you the rundown on Wales. Yeah, don't worry, everyone. Old George Washington over there in, uh, in Westchester, Connecticut. He won't talk about it, but I JJ's will. got it covered. He's got it covered. Um, JJ, Christian Pulisic, I thought, had some interesting comments over the course of this week. Um, you know, we always wonder, like, what should the focus of these players be when they're entering a tournament like this? Because, like, the party line is always, what is it? It's always something to the effect of, we're just going one game at a time. Our focus is on Wales. Yeah. You know, we're like Bill Belichick. We're on to Cincinnati. Like that's, you know, that that is what players are programmed to say. And especially in a tournament like this where the pressure is so high and the microscope is on these players magnified by a thousand from what it normally is, you know, you would expect to get that line even more, which kind of made some of Christian Pulisic's comments this week a little bit more interesting to me. Uh, he, uh, he was asked if the World Cup finals provided a chance to change opinions about the U.S., um, and he said, absolutely, that's what we're here to do. Maybe it hasn't been the top sport back in the States, and we want to change the way that the world sees American soccer. It's one of our goals. We haven't been at the level of some of these world powerhouses and powerhouses in recent decades, but we've had good teams with a lot of heart. We can take it to the next step. A successful World Cup would change a lot. I mean, it sounds to me like they are fully embracing the idea that they're not just playing for themselves, you know, trying to just win games at this tournament. They're trying to, they're trying to change the perception that the world has of soccer in this country. And I think that's, that's a big thing to take on their shoulders. I'm sure they all feel it, but for him to publicly say it, I thought that's interesting. And, and honestly, I kind of, I kind of like to hear that. Um, yeah, but I, I'm curious what, what that means. So does that mean that, you know, whose perception are we trying to change here? The world's. Yeah, but what is the world? Is it the perception of foreign fans online who are engaged in this culture war with U.S. soccer fans? Is it U.S. sports fans here in America who aren't really soccer fans, but this might draw them into it and see it as a legitimate sport and something they might want to spend their time or money on? Um, because it seems vague and rather broad to say, you know, we want to change the world's opinion. It's It's a weird place for America to be. Uh, certainly in my lifetime engaging with American culture and American sports that we've ever cared what anybody else thinks about us. But in soccer, that does seem to be the case. And I I mean, honestly, for me, I think this team, if you look at where our players are playing right now, how, you know, say, I know it's a basic example, but how Leeds fans have taken to Tyler Adams. We have a video on this YouTube saying that he's a cult hero already or he's fast approaching cult hero status. Like that's the stuff we should worry about. Why do we care about like what somebody in Cheshire thinks of our center backs or whether our league is a farmer's league? I think we have to get, get over that. Now, if we get go on a quarterfinal run, yeah, there's going to be people who will, you know, definitely, definitely take notice and, and the educated soccer fan will, but the other side to it is, is as well, there'll always be those people that will just say, oh, daft Yanks, 
Uh, what do they know about soccer? All the usual stuff. Like, who cares? I don't give a damn what anyone thinks about this team. I really don't. Well, I do. I can't help it. <laughs> I, it's my American brain, my American sensibilities as being a, a fan, like a, a longtime fan of this sport in this country. You just, you can't help it. Like, you do hear the noise. You hear the disrespect. You see, like, you know, JJ, we talked all the time about guys like, when when Bob Bradley took over at Swansea, it was like we became pseudo Swansea fans because we knew we knew that the job he did there was going to be a referendum on American soccer. It just uh, is. It, and the same thing could be said it, about Jesse Marsh. It wasn't because four years later or for five years later, or however long it was, a better U.S. manager came in and managed a better club. Well, I won't say better than Bob because that's yet to be. He's, he's a younger manager, but another U.S. manager got an even bigger cl- uh, club job with Leeds United. So like, I think this is a hang up. This is a psychological hang up. That's definitely got evidence behind, behind it, you know, but I, I really think we need to shake this shit off and get on with it. We're the goddamn United States of America, aren't we? <laughs> Seriously. Like you have to have that attitude going into a game worried about against Wales, go beat Wales, go beat Iran and qualify for the next round. Be worrying about what anyone thinks of you. Like, and I would very much, I don't know. No, no, I, I disagree would, with that. I think it's okay to have a chip on your shoulder. I think sometimes playing with that extra motivation, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, that they're playing for something bigger than just that game. I mean, maybe that can break some guys, but I don't think that that quality is in Christian Pulisic. No, I, I'm saying you can have the chip in your shoulder. You can have everything that you want, but I just like, I, I don't, I, I worry when I hear players vocalizing this. I would far sooner them say, we don't care what anyone thinks of us. We're out here to represent our country, to represent our supporters, and to, to go as far as we possibly can in this tournament. And that's it. Well, by the way, he's ground zero of the debate because we talk all the time that the, the Chelsea support is, there's a chasm down the center of them. There's between a chasm the American between, Chelsea fans and, and those in, in England. There's a chasm between a lot of Chelsea fan supporters and the chasm is right between their ears right between their temples. Like they're not a judge or a a kind of a barometer of anything. Not all Chelsea supporters, but we know plenty of them. And some of them online are just nasty, horrible. So they're xenophobic towards everyone. That's their whole MO. I I think this team will do what, I want this team to do what the 2002 team did and prove to people that in the way that they play and the way they go about their business, that this country is serious but I wouldn't want my players worrying it, worrying about it or having it as a core kind of rallying cry for the team. I, I, I don't think that's... Proving, uh, proving perception wrong? I'm, I'm okay with that. All right. Okay. I like it. I like right. it. Um, let's see. JJ, I've got some, uh, you know, as we are known to do oftentimes on preview pods where I just sort of list a series of questions that, uh, that we roll through. So I do have those here. Um, so before we get to that, though, uh, I know you had been you joked bef- before about me broadcasting from my laundry room, from various <laughs> closets. I once did a podcast from a, inside of a blanket fort in my living room. This, though, how, does this background, how does this work for you? I, I like it. I yeah. like it. It's it's it's, you know, you were talking to me and, and uh, suggesting that I would go with the high intellect background. And I have, look, many, many books mm. to read, um, you whereas you've got very pictures. learned. 
you've got pictures and, and you've got a nice like little wooden panel going on there. I, I actually like your setting. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I should say happy birthday to my dad. It's his birthday today. He's up there right there and uh, him and I at the World Series. And then JJ, I don't know if people, sometimes I I thought I would drop like a little Easter eggs in the background. I don't know if anyone has seen. Oh, look at look at this little butte right here. Uh, look how happy we were at the Harry Lemon. Only about uh, two hours later for me to be absolutely devastated. But yeah, what a day. <laughs> devastated and drunk is a good way to be, though. I suppose if you're going to be devastated, it doesn't hurt to, uh, no. Yeah. God, I, I had a bit of weight on there as well. Ooh. Yeah. It's, it's hard to look at. And I'll you never, honest. you never told me, you never just said, Hey man, you know, ever think about dropping a few pounds. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think it was my place. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I appreciate your kindness. Uh, let's see. I got some questions here, JJ. And by the way, I should let people know. I also do have some trivia for JJ later, uh, in the podcast, if you want. Uh, the rally mullet top gun maverick theme while jj screams usa usa hey listen i i don't i don't uh, mean to be you know kind of look i'm not alexi lalas i'm not going to be the this bombastic kind of nationalist on television uh we, you know I, i'm not like that and you if you listen to the podcast i'm generally i'm generally not like that but i cannot take this kind of we're just out here to prove everybody wrong i, I can't take that we we'll go out and weird. prove that we're a good football team. That's what it's about. We don't have to worry about everybody else, nor should we ever when it comes to our soccer team anyway. Uh, let's see. All right. So I have some questions here. You ready for me to roll through? Let's go. Okay. Here's your chance, JJ. You want to you flex that Welsh muscle of yours. Uh, simply put, the keys to this game. Who? Um, so Wales are going to line up in a, in a – something approaching a five, two, three. So they'll, we don't know what team they're going to pick, but I'm kind of basing a lot of what I'm going to say on the side that beat Ukraine in the playoff. So the keys to the game will be when they sit deep, win the ball back that we don't allow the speedsters, the Dan Jameses, the, the, the bursts that we can get from Gareth Bale in particular, or say if they start or he comes off the bench of Brennan Johnson, if we don't allow ourselves to be caught out by that, that's going to be really important. I think the key is if our central midfielders, because we'll play, I'd be shocked if we don't play a 4-3-3. If our center midfielders don't uh, overwhelm, if we can overwhelm, again, if it's Ramsey and Allen in midfield. Joe Allen's not playing in this game. He's not fully fit. He's not fully fit. Well, if we can overwhelm their midfield, whoever that may be who comes in for him, that'll be key. If we can have runners from midfield to overload an attack, that's a way to unsettle that back five. And I'm thinking Musa and McKenney. And our wide players are absolutely key. Now, that, that's a double-edged sword. I think Dest and Robinson getting high. We can pin their fullbacks in. Probably be, uh, let me see, Nico Williams and Connor Roberts. If we can pin them in, that, that, will, be, that will be huge for this game. Now, the other side is in transition. When our fullbacks get high like we like them to do, in the attack, we have to make sure that the, that the central midfielders, probably two of them, that slide in and cover those areas, cover those spaces, and that Wales don't catch us down, pull our centre-backs out and cause problems for them. We don't want to see, oh my God, Long and Zimmerman or Ream and Zimmerman pulled out of position. That is the last thing we want. And we really don't want quick ball going the other way. So midfield is going to be huge. I think we win the midfield battle, we'll win the game. 
Yeah, I would say that's a pretty that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, boy, I do wonder about that center back pairing. Who it's going to be? I just so I've I've wavered. I was convinced, and again, it's not that I. This isn't my choice, folks. I would start Tim Ream, but I've been convinced for months now. Considering the runs he got in the summer friendlies, considering the runs he continued to get against Japan and Saudi Arabia, that that Aaron Long will start alongside Zimmerman. So it'll be the long Zim access. Now, personally for me, I don't like that. I don't love it at all. I think Reem on form should start. Uh, and I think he should start in this game because this game is a derby for me. You look at all the players that have knowledge, knowledge of each other on both sides from either the championship or playing in the Premier League or in the case of the Fulham uh, players, Anthony Robinson, Tim Reem, and then, uh, you know, Harry Wilson. The, you know, th- there's a lot of knowledge in there. There's two derby games in this group for the U.S. Uh, what's super interesting about this game for me is that both sides will look at each other and say, we can definitely get three points off this lot. So I think both sides are going to go for it. Everyone says, well, we respect the opposition. I, I think there's a healthy lack of respect on both sides in the sense that they're both targeting this game as an, open, an opening game three points that will set them on their way. So I think it's going to be very, very open. And in that sense, with a high line, Tim Ream going in behind. I honestly, all things balanced, just on form, I'd start Tim Ream. But but and I think is Greg on the fence about long now with the layoff in football that he's had, with what Ream's been consistently doing since August. Maybe he does just say, I gotta go with the old head. I'll bet you a beer right now it's Tim Ream. Yeah. I think so. It just seems like Shane Ulbricht said reports are that Ream is practicing with other known starters. Yeah. Uh, Like it just feels weird to me for them to bring him and not start him. I don't know. It just, that, that feels like a strange optic to me that like he would win his way back onto the team after being in top form in the Premier League, but still not be able to overtake a guy who was in okay form in MLS coming off an Achilles injury. Like I think once Ream, once Reem won his way back into the team, like I, I think he wins his way right back to the to that starting spot. I could be wrong, but it just it would feel weird to me that he could get like halfway, but not all the way to that spot. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's I don't just, know. That's my read on it. But I'll bet you a beer though. All right, okay. Yeah, I, I have a feeling he's wavering, and it may indeed be be Tim Reem. Um, by the way, you mentioned the importance of of those three points. Paul Carr uh, did put out a tweet if you kind of want the statistical breakdown of just what the first game of the group stage means um, in the, uh, in in the six world cups under this current format, 84% of opening match winners advanced uh, 59% advanced after a draw, only 11% of opening match losers advanced. Do not lose this match. No, you, you can't afford it. You really can't. Um, and like the, it, it might be a little different if this was the England game. If we opened up with England, I'd say, okay, well, Maybe you could lose this one because like the thought is that Iran and Wales would be the the more winnable ones. Um, But against Wales, who you're going to be in direct competition with seemingly for that other spot, do not lose this game. Do not lose this game. It is, I mean, all eyes will be on the England game. That's what, that's the drama fixture. This might actually be the most important one of the three. I think so too. I really do. Um, Imagine you get a win here tomorrow and then you, England, you're playing a little bit with house money and you know you can get after them and you you know they're not perfect 
And then you're going into the Iran game, who I know they're like, they're a better side than people give them credit for. But man, you just, the win tomorrow just lifts everybody. It would be amazing. Yeah. Um, all right, JJ, who's under the most intense pressure for the U.S.? I feel like there's a lot of right answers here. Um, I mean, for me, it's the centre-back positions. Whoever starts at centre-back is just, it had been under the microscope since since the last friendlies. Um, uh, the goalkeeper as well, just because he hasn't played that much lately and he's coming back from an injury, not because he's not good, but he'll be under the microscope. He hasn't kicked the ball in a month. And I think centre-forward, whoever that may be, lot of a uh, lot of rumors about uh coming even kind of leaked somewhat from the squad about Tim Weah starting down the center. I'm curious if the guys mm. in the comments in the live chat have um have any comments about that. Who would they go for at center forward? Uh, Tim Weah. His pace in behind could be really, really helpful, but with the way that Wales play, sitting off, waiting, would that be would that be just frustrating for him? Certainly not. I don't I don't see it being Hadji right. I don't I mean, maybe he just sticks with Ferreira. I don't know. Well, we'll get to that because that was actually look, you're stealing other questions. I'm so I haven't for fend. I thought this was just free flow and ideas zone, man. No, no. I, I this is never it's never free flowing. This whole show is scripted. People don't realize that. I'm reading off a script right now. Bryant in the live chat says uh, Triple G is under the most pressure. I would. Uh... That's. I mean, that's the answer. That's the right. answer. Okay. Like that. That's when I wrote the question. That's who I had in mind. Like, I mean, he's the guy who, like, let's call it like it is. Like, if they don't get out of the group stage, he probably loses his job. And it's also not an easy group to navigate. So that's real pressure. I don't know that it's entirely fair, but I think. That's just the sense I get. Like like we said, qualifying was not smooth sailing. If they were playing brilliantly over the course of the last year, you know, putting up three, four goals, um, you know, sailed into qualification, sailed through qualification, then like maybe they could get not get out of this group stage and he would have built up some equity. But I mean, JJ, we saw like we thought we had built he had built up equity with the Gold Cup win, with the Nations League win over mm. Mexico, with just generally how well these played over Mexico. But like he doesn't among fans, it doesn't seem like he has. And this, I think, for a lot of people, if, if they don't get out, I think it, it fair or not, I'm just saying, I, I don't know what I think yet. I'll have to see how this goes. But I think in a, in a lot of people's minds, that'll be it for him. So that's that's pressure. Can you uh, can you just mentally remember this, that uh, Birdo, do, do whales see themselves as favorites? Don't let me get out of this stream without answering that question. That's interesting. Answer it now. Oh, I think... Uh... I think just as we look at, at, at Wales and think, yeah, we can win that. I think Wales, a lot of Wales supporters, Welsh supporters will be fancying them to take three points tomorrow for sure. I think so too. I think they probably, they might think that like, I mean, if you were going to, if you were going to say who the best player is in this group, I mean, to me, it's Kane. Um, but you might have Welsh fans that think they actually have the best player in group B in Gareth Bale. Um, certainly the most, certainly the most decorated. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. I I don't, I mean, I I would debate, I would disagree with them. I don't (laughs) think you could, I think you could say that a few years ago. Uh, but again, like with Reyna, with Bale, you haven't just haven't seen enough of them. Um, but Lord knows when he makes his cameo appearances, he breaks hearts as, uh, 
was the case just a couple of weeks ago. Um, got a man. Uh, I think Wales fancy the win. I'm Welsh, so that's how I feel. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, by the way, Iranian fans probably feel similarly. You know, so that like, I don't think they. I, I don't think they'd be quite. There, there's just, there's just that thing between. Uh, you know, a British side and a, an American side. They both know little bits about each other, but they're, they'll have enough confidence from what they know about their own team to think that they will, um, that they will win the game. I think, yeah. Familiarity can breed contempt. Wayne Lynch, JJ, why do you sound Irish? Because I am. Is that a troll? What, what? I don't yeah, even know pro- what to do with that. Probably because I gave such an absolutely amazing, impassioned plea for for the U.S. men's national team to to forget petty things and focus on the bigger prize. Uh, let's see, JJ X Factor for the U.S. I have one here that you already mentioned. Um, you mentioned him as our best player. To me, he's the U.S.'s X Factor, and it's to me that's Gio Reyna. Um, just because, like I said, the, the the little we've seen of him is brilliant. Like, if he's healthy, and like I don't know that he can give them 90 minutes, but if he can give them, like, 65, 75, who knows, maybe 90, um, and he can be the player that we've seen in, like, 25-minute bursts, then, like, then, yeah. My my hope is that what you said before is is potentially proven correct. Like I would love for him to come out there and and consistently show that he's the best player on this team. Because you're right, like talent wise, um, technically how gifted he is. Like the run that he had, uh, what was it in the, against Mexico? Um, you know he's he's spectacular. MLSsoccer.com is doing this thing where they're they're talking to different MLS coaches and asking them different questions. And uh, Peter Vermees said this about Reyna. He said he's a player the team needs to be. Uh, he's a player the team needs to be in great form and at times to be a game changer. Almost has to be a little like Landon Donovan was in 2002. If you can find that kind of influence for the U.S. team, then it would be a tremendous asset, not only getting out of the group stage, but then having the ability to really surprise some people in the knockout stages. When Geo's on top of it, you need players who can change things. He can be that guy. I really think that he can be that guy. We don't know exactly what his role will be, if he'll start, if he's off the bench. But to me, he's... Like he's the X factor of this team where if he's the best version of himself, then like, then we're a different animal than we even thought we were. Yeah. I just think there's, there's no, there's very few players in, there's no players in the U S squad can do what he does. If, and I I do like what you said, you know, even if he's coming off or coming on in the 75th minute and you're chasing the game, you're looking to do something different. He's such an asset to have. And, um, and I really hope that, what Dortmund have been doing with him in terms of stealing him and making sure he's fit. I really hope that comes to the fore in this World Cup because he deserves it. He's put in a lot, a lot of uh, of work, hard work to be a consistent player. And it's been so tough for him. Just injury after niggle and then another injury. Um, but he is fantastic. I, I would agree he's an X factor as well. I also just think, because we haven't seen that much of him lately, uh, there's an Irish fr- uh, phrase, Andrew, eaten bread is soon forgotten. Meaning something that you've already enjoyed or had uh, is very quickly forgotten. And I think that we've enjoyed Yunus Musa and he's gone away just for a little bit and we've forgotten to an extent how important he is. And he's, a, he, he's an excellent midfielder. And I think our midfielder, our, our midfield is, is improved vastly by him being in the side. So I think he could be a, 
he could be a real um, asset to have come back into the side. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, that's a good one. I'll, I will give you that one as well. Now let's get to what you were kind of talking about before, the striker position. It has been the position that has been debated for over a year. No one has really taken a firm hold of it. Because of that, the debate has continued right up through this very second. Who should be starting at that spot? Who should be? Sure. Um, I'm no closer to actually being able to answer that question. Um, I think who will start, I think he's going to go with Ferreira at least to start. I don't see him. I know what people think he's going to be clever and play way down the middle. I don't see it. It's possible. Um, I'll, I'll say I'll go, I'll go inside the, the mind, the head of Greg Bearhalter and say he's going to go with Ferreira. So here's here's the options that I'm kind of thinking between. Um, I think, like you said, Ferreira, which is probably at this point, whether I agree with it or not, is probably the conventional choice just because it's the one that, I don't know, it feels like that's what we've seen. It feels like that's what Triple G is most comfortable with. So there's that one, which is probably the, the odds-on favorite. Then I would say Sargent, I think, is maybe next. Um, then. I guess the the Wea down the center option with maybe Aronson out on the right. Uh, but that one's tricky just because I felt like Wea was so effective for the U.S. in qualifying in that spot. And I just wonder if that's just – if you're going to play him, if it makes sense to just keep him where he was. Um, play, him in the, play him in the spot where he's been most effective. Yeah, that that's kind of where I'd be leaning. Um, and then, J.J., there's the other option. Can – Again, we're sitting here and we're talking about Gio Reyna and how good he is and how important he could be to this team, but there's not a clear space for him. Can he? Can they do some sort of false nine with him at that position? Would that be a weird thing to suddenly break out in a World Cup without having really done it much previously? Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that would be, that would be super. That would be bold. Ah. Uh. I mean, someone just someone just uh, put in the chat, Andrew Zardis out of left field. That's 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 all, not quite as weird, but pretty weird. Um, don't see it. I don't rule don't. it out. <laughs> Zardis or Reina is a false nine. No, Zardis, Zardis, <laughs> never rule it out. Yeah, I don't see it. We got we got one really good question that I want to get to. I know you're very very U.S. orientated right now, but. Uh, uh, Angel Lopez, JJ, what is the main thing that you, the U.S. men's national team, have to worry about versus Wales? Uh, I mean, apart from the obvious brilliant player that they have up front in Gareth Bale, who can just be anonymous in a game, and we've seen it in, in big games for Wales. Sorry, someone asked for that. Um, just like Gareth Bale's ability to to change games on a whim. We've seen it so many times and he still has it. Now I'd be curious as to exactly the full fitness situation with him, but outside of Bale, like the pace that they have in transition um, is something that we have to be careful about because we will be on the front foot. We will be getting players forward and they will sit off that little bit. And when they win the ball back, we have to be able to cut out that transition and not allow that to happen. That is a real danger. Um, I'm curious as to what their front three is going to be. Um, will it be Bale, Kiefer Moore, and Dan James? Probably, right? Is Moore 
the kind of player you want in that position against a team that will play a fairly high line? That is a good question. I'm not sure that that is the way I would go. Could he do something like bring in, play Bale centrally, play Harry Wilson, or maybe even the aforementioned Brennan Johnson? Don't know. I wouldn't start Kiefer Moore against us. I th- I think um, say it's Tim Ream or Zimmerman. They'd they'd be happy to see Kiefer Moore. Way happier than they'd be to see a speedster or someone that's going to cause them problems with pacing behind. Yeah, I don't know. You don't think that you could see a world where okay, let's say the U.S. are playing a high line. It's played into it's played into Kiefer Moore, and then like maybe his backs to goal 40 yards out and then Bale and James are kind of like down the wings bombing forward. And he tried to tries to slip one in behind. Like, I feel like I could see that happening. Yeah, maybe, maybe Andrew. Um, More concerning is that there's someone in the chat who has said good night because it's nine 55 on a Sunday night. Hmm. I get that. (laughs) You definitely get that. that. Um, Let's see a couple more here, JJ, before I get to some trivia and then we'll do some other general stuff. Uh, I'm wondering if you think there's a particular player on this team for the U S who comes out of this tournament, having like raised his profile from whatever, whatever we viewed him as before. Like, I think, you know, Yedlin is kind of the example I think of in 2014 where when he was included, it was kind of like, huh, okay, that's an interesting one. And then he comes on against Belgium and he locks up Eden Hazard. And all of a sudden he's a mainstay. Like now, you know, now he's, he's a fixture for the U S eight and a half years later. Um, I'm wondering if there's a guy on this team that could exit this tournament in a similar fashion. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a place for, you know, Tim Way has had a kind of a stop start career. Um, He's been through quite a few clubs. A lot of top clubs don't, you know, haven't loved him. He's, you know, he's, he's becoming more of a regular at his club now and kind of those injuries we're hoping are behind him. Like, and he's been very good for the U S in qualifying. I wonder if this is a place where, where he can really showcase his talents in front of the world. And, and also just the fact that, you know, people will talk about, um, the, you know, they'll talk about his name, the, you know, his famous father. This is kind of draw attention to him. And maybe he can, you know, flourish in the, uh, under the pressure. Because I thought in qualifying he was excellent. I'd also say, like, Brendan Aronson has been in, in the consciousness of everybody for a while now. And I, think I, think he's, he, I think he's crossed that threshold already. You think he's crossed the threshold I, already? I think he. I think in the minds of American fans, like we we know what he is now. Well, he's well, a big I, deal. Well, then I would say Anthony Robinson is in line. Um, uh, well, you're, if you're telling that to me, you're talking to the wrong guy. Well, I know, but I'm I'm telling it to people because it doesn't matter what you say. Fulham are still Premier League or not. You know, they don't get the same amount of shine as other teams are. But we're hearing rumors about Inter Milan being interested in him again uh, after they tried to sign him from Wigan, was it a few years ago, or AC Milan, one of the Milan sides anyway. So, I mean, he's been quality uh, for a while now, and maybe maybe this is a chance for him to to do it on the world stage and attract even more admirers. I, mean, I don't know. You know that's, that's a tough one. You're trying to trying to ask me to... It's a great question. It's a I, great question. I think Musa as well. Eunice Musa as well. I mean, yeah, Eunice Musa is going to be playing in the same group as the team that a lot of people for a long time thought he would declare for in England. Yeah. Yep. So that's true. Um, it's a kind of a case of, oh, here's what you could have won. And if he can, he, if he can really put himself about and, and create a bit of noise. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple answers that I think of. I think Wea that you said before is a really good one, um, only because like 
you're right. He was so important in qualifying for the U.S. His directness, like he was the one guy who seemed to consistently offer that. Um, and yet, why is it when you talk to American fans about this team, they'll rattle off chapter and verse, Pulisic, McKinney, Reyna, Aronson, and Weah just generally seems to be the forgotten guy. If he does in qualifying what he what he did there now in a World Cup, I think he'll he'll change that. Um, and then you know, another one that I think of for this team, I mean, we've said it so many times that goalkeeper has never been a position of uncertainty for the U.S. As long, I mean, you go back to Tony Miola, like as long as as I can really remember as an American soccer fan, it's just like if nothing else, you could you always had that. Um, and this time around, we didn't necessarily feel that way. Uh, we might have been wrong. Like Zach Steffen didn't make the team, so like this idea in our heads of Turner versus Steffen. Like clearly Turner is the number one. Um, and you know, maybe he was for longer than we realized, but even still we're coming into this tournament where it's like, yeah, he's, he doesn't start for Arsenal. Uh, we think he's good, but like, it's hard to know exactly because his experience on a European level is so limited. I would love, I would love to come out of this tournament feeling fully validated in how we've felt about him and exit this tournament thinking that, okay, we, we have our number one, like, the debate is is over. We can move forward and like not worry about that for the next cycle or whatever. Uh, I, I would like to come out of this feeling secured in that. I feel pretty secure about him. I, I just it's I just worry about the month he's not been playing, which has been through no no fault of his own. Just a terrible terrible time to pick up a groin injury. You know what's going to be big one for me, Andrew? That first kick out off the ground. That's going to be when he places that ball down or, or the first time he whacks one off the ground, tries to ping a pass out or tries to drive it long. That's that's the one where you're like, oh, God, not that I don't trust Ethan uh, as the backup, but that'll make me nervous. Yeah, that pitch, right? You don't want to see that foot slide at all, right, JJ? Well, we've had a right back to the very top of the uh of the live chat, we had uh, people asking me about a, a grass review so far. Um, yeah, let's really go in deep on this. No, let's not. But uh, so far, so good. Although someone said, what about the in-stadium air conditioning? How could that affect the grass? And I, I do think that could be a drying out factor, creating something I call sticky grass. Are you going to explain that? Well, um Dry grass is sticky grass, simple as that. And the ball doesn't move as well. So you have to, it slows down the pace of the game. Teams that like to attack with fluidity, which is most sides these days, uh, they're going to struggle. Teams like Spain. Um, and you want the ball to move and zip along. And there's a danger that when it's watered before the game, that any of that water, or a lot more of that water, that surface water will get taken away uh, from from whatever kind of in-stadium air conditioning systems apparatus they have. Hmm. Interesting. You may be talking out of your A right now, though. No, I know the effects of dry grass, Andrew. Don't you dare contradict me on it. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the effects of dry grass. The effect that an air conditioning of an indoor stadium that it might that it might create dry grass. I don't think you actually know what you're talking about. Oh, That's I think just it, me. I think dry conditions can, Andrew. And uh, if you've ever tried to play soccer on the outfield of a baseball uh, pitch, then you'll realize that sticky grass is a concern for all Americans. Um, and I got called old sticky grass JJ, which is uh, which is just great. So as Steve else says the WAP segment with JJ, which is uh, wet ass pitches. Um, yeah. Nice. By the way, there, there was a great thread on 
uh, read it the other day about all the different types of old Andy, old yeah, hatchet yeah, Andy, old bougie Andy, um, old patriotic <laughs> Andy. Just amazing. So I like, cool. I, of all of them, hatchet Andy is probably my favorite. Um, oh, what a feeling that was. Just, just hacking away at that branch, <laughs> getting out of all that aggression. Oh, what a feeling. Um, last one here, JJ, uh, for the, the question section of the preview pod. Uh, so, okay, fair expectation for this team. Like, what is, what is actually fair here? Get out the group. Yeah. But th- is that it? I mean, getting out of the group is going to probably put you across. I think, I still think the potential team, if it's Senegal, uh, probably the Dutch, right? I mean, that's what, although after seeing Ecuador today, oh, I so guess excuse, they me, excuse me, the Dutch. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you would have, you, you, I mean, if it all goes to chalk, England will win this group. And let's say the U S finished second. You think they'll be facing the Netherlands. I just, um, I think you, in that scenario, you are in a great position because you're playing with house money. You just are, you're not expected to do anything. I think you're right. I think I guess if we're if we're viewing this through the lens of Greg Berhalter's job security, I think getting out of the group and losing to the Netherlands, I think that's probably enough for him to keep his job. So if that's what if that's how I'm viewing it, then I would say that that would be reaching expectations. Right? You don't fire somebody for reaching what the expectation is. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think it's doable. And by the way, if they wind up facing the Netherlands, like like I've said before, I don't know that I'm picking us to win, but it's not one of those top teams. It's a game where you've got a real chance. Listen, let's all just hedge our bets and do what we always do and say it's cup football, tournament football, anything can happen. And that's, that's the true. way and that's the way I treat it as well. Um yeah. Old Spursy Andy, you'll always be, some people are saying. A mm. blanket fort Andy was a classic. Mm. What a night. God, what a night. Uh, one of my favorite games that I've ever seen this team play. Uh, didn't love the didn't love having to record it in a fort. It was probably about 120 degrees in that thing. The picture of you is amazing. You look like you're at the fire festival in your tent. <laughs> uh, it was hot in there. It was hot in that thing. Um, let's see, JJ. I have I have questions for you. I have trivia. Okay, let's do it. You want them? Oh, go on. But we don't have okay. the trivia music, which is no. I know. Yeah, oh. I know. Uh, all right, here's some of what I have for you. All right, here's your first question. The U.S.'s last World Cup match, of course, July 1st, 2014 versus Belgium. Americans lost 2-1 in extra time. Can you name the three goal scorers from that match? Julian Green. Yes. Um, Divock Origi. No. Romelu Lukaku. Yes. Hmm. Ah. Oh. Can't think of the other one. Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne. Okay. Kevin De Bruyne. All yes. right. Did we watch that? I'm trying. I know I watched that one in the conference room at my at, at my office. Were you with me for that? Did, did we, we do watch that together? That, I did. We watch that together. We watched an awful lot of football in 2014 together, yeah. and it was weird because our relationship was just growing. Yeah, um, we were we were new friends. We knew that we knew that something special was happening. We did. That, you know, early Although in a new relationship. Had, you had great concern for me as your frustration grew with that. I couldn't turn on the conference TV. Even after a month of watching soccer, the conference room in ESPN 
was perfect for watching soccer. Big old table, massive TV. We'd buy sandwiches from the deli and Cokes. We'd go in, we'd eat chips, we'd fart and burp and watch the game, make yeah. notes. It was, it was a perfect analyst's room for watching the World Cup. But I, for the life of me, couldn't turn on that TV unless you were there. It was, it was embarrassing, frankly. Yeah, it was. Although it was weird to use that TV. Like, it, it wasn't just a simple, like, oh, power on. It was, there was something weird about it. I don't remember. But yeah, I can't remember if we watched that one together. We watched Germany together at, at Dempsey's, right? In Midtown? Yeah, we the did. And we went out into the street and we celebrated like we won the game, even though we clearly <laughs> not won the game. No, that was respectable, but no, we didn't win. But we advanced and that's what it was all about. All right, next question. Um, all right, uh, sort of a follow-up to that one. How many, here we go, how many of the U.S.'s starting 11 from that game can you name? Uh, oh, I wouldn't say. Oof. Uh, so uh, in goals was the Minister for Defence, mm-hmm. Tim Howard. Um, and then the centre-backs were John Brooks and Dono Dion. He did yet. not start that night. He didn't? No. Oh, Jürgen was on one. I'd have to go. I can't remember now. I should have looked. I don't know if that was down to some kind. Was that like a yellow card situation? Might it does seem strange. Who were the starting center backs? Tell me, because I can't remember. Uh, it was Matt Beasler and Omar Gonzalez. Beasler and Gonzalez. Yeah, here, I'll just go through it with you unless you want to try to get Yeah, going. no, go on. Uh, all right, so from front to back, I guess it was uh, Dempsey, obviously. I mean, how you didn't start with that one, I don't know. Uh, Bedoya, Fabian Johnson, Michael Bradley, Zeus Dog. Zeus Dog. Zeus Dog. Uh, Jermaine Jones, Demarcus Beasley. Ooh. Was there um, Matt Beasler, Omar Gonzalez, Jeff Cameron, and Tim Howard? I'll tell you what, man. I think back to that team mm. and like the one name that stands out of just kind of like, boy, what happened there? I thought Fabian Johnson was really good. Like, what, you, what you happened had, there? You were in love with Fabian Johnson. Like, you, because I think because he was in the Bundesliga for so long and he consistently made like Bundesliga teams of the week and just seemed like a really, really good player. You had this thing from you constantly brought him up. At one point, we had but like he was versatile. He could play fullback. They moved him into midfield. He could like, play left or right back, I think. Yeah, like that's uh, just that's one that got away. Yeah, I think he was uh, he was your favorite of that era. Like when you point to well, a player, easy, I don't I don't know about that. I mean, d- does Dempsey count of that era, or is he kind of the era previously? Um, I think, well, you always love Dempsey, but I think when we, when we would talk about, well, who's our best player playing at the top level in Europe at that time, you would say, Hey, you know, everyone talks about Dempsey, but no one is talking about Fabian Johnson. That was, I, that was your regular refrain. Yeah. What happened there? That's a strange one, by the way, just if you want to compare squads. So the breakdown of guys in Europe on that team compared to guys playing in Europe on this team. So in 2014, uh, again, that was just a 23 man squad. So the U.S. had 12 players playing in Europe, 11 not. So 52% of the team was was playing in European leagues. And this one, 17 of 26. So that's 65%. So you have seen, from then to now, you have seen a little bit more of a, a movement of, of the U.S. drawing from players who are playing abroad. Uh, JJ, which member of this team, this current U.S. team, has the most caps? Uh, is it Yedlin? Yeah, with seventy-five. Wow. You know who's next on that list? I would say it's a. It, you'd be. It's surprising. Um, but possibly 
Uh, it's not Reem. Oh, here we go with the it's nots. It's it's Kellen Acosta. That's right. That's right. Very good. Yeah, you Second like that. Second most capped player in the team. Yeah. But listen, he's been a go-to guy for a long, long time. A long, long time. Yeah. He's uh, uh, let's, especially the last few years. He's got a real run in it. Um, I got a couple more here. A couple more. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, five members of this team did not appear in qualifying. Can you name them? Five players did not appear in qualifying. Hadji yeah. Wright. Uh-huh. Joe Scally. Uh-huh. Uh, Christian Rolden. No. Hadji Wright, Joe Scally. Think goalkeeper. Oh, Sean Johnson. And? Ethan Horvath. Yeah. One more. Ooh, buddy. Go on, tell me. Also the first Scottish player to play for the U.S. in a World Cup. Cameron Carter-Vickers. Oh, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Yeah. 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 I mean, he barely got a run in friendlies, never mind the qualifying. So. Yeah. Uh, can you name every goal scorer for the U.S. from the 2014 World Cup? Every goal scorer? John Brooks, mm-hmm. Clint Dempsey, uh, Johnson. No. Uh, not Johnson. Um, Jermaine Jones. Yes. And then uh, Julian Green. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Of those goals, I'm trying to. I'm thinking back to that tournament. If I had to pick a favorite goal, I mean, boy, the the drama of the Brooks one. But I remember saying even then, for all the buildup that there is to a World Cup, for Clint Dempsey to score in 28 seconds, that was just like that was an out of body experience. Where were we in? We were in a pub in Midtown for that. That's right. And I remember Hudson, what happened. Was it Hudson it, Station was that the one? No, I think that's we... where I was. No, you and I were at separate pubs, and then oh, we met I, up afterwards. I was in Dempsey's. Okay. Um, and people hadn't even settled in yet. No, like... but it was so weird because no, you're right. No one had settled in because no one was quite sure what was happening. So after the ball enters the net, there was this silence, like this <sighs> one, two, three, and then whoa, absolute unbelievable bedlam. Yeah. And there was a supporting pillar in Dempsey's at the time for the roof above. So there, you know, there's obviously there's floors on Jack Dempsey's in Midtown and the second floor was full and you could see the roof shaking. And oh the only God. time that usually happens is when Celtic score in the old firm Derby, but it was, it was scary. I was like, is this, is this thing going to come down on me? Well, I was there for the Donovan goal against Algeria on the top floor. Oof. It was, it was, unbelievable. it was also like that. Is that, is that the end of trivia? Cause there's a, there's a few things we should get to before we get out. Last one. Oh, good Lord. We started the show talking about Tyler Adams being named captain. Do you know which American has captained the side the most? Um, the current I don't side, think you'll all get this. sides? No, no. In the history of U.S. soccer, who has been the captain the most times, for the T- most games? Tony Miola. No, Carlos Bocanegra. 64 times he was captain. Carlos Bocanegra. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. How about that? So there you go. There's your U.S soccer trivia as we lead up to this world cup thanks i think i did okay yeah not bad that was respectable i want to i want to uh, say like i'm i'm i love you but i kind of root for your failure oftentimes in those trivias but i'll give you your due that was that's that you was all fine. over nothing, isn't it nothing to be ashamed of there um yeah nice job well done uh let's see jj i don't have too much else on the u.s i wanted to mention benzema um, but I don't know if there's anything else with the U.S. that you wanted to get in before we get out. No, not really. Um, see if there's anything from our friends 
the animals. Oh, someone just shouted Beckerman. Imagine Kyle Beckerman was a, was a, a staple in that squad. Yeah. Oh, incredible. Um, no, not really. I, do, I don't think so. Um, kind of. Yeah, I think that's it. I think I'm. I think I'm ready. I think I just want a ball to be kicked. I, know. I want to see things. Yeah, I know that that's where we're at. It's just like it's just this this feeling of like just may, let me see this already, and then and then in the blink of an eye, it's it'll be over. It's just how this stuff works. Already dreading the end. Yeah, someone's asked uh, how does temperature affect the British. I mean. I've seen the England players in training. There's been videos oh going God, viral. It's like they've never felt heat before. I know, but our boy Brendan Aronson said it's, it's just a different type of heat. He was the first one to that I heard talk about it. So um, I'll reserve judgment on that one, but I, I would think we would be better suited to it than the English or the Welsh. Um, much more used to it. So, uh, yeah. Um, the French, Andrew. Yeah, so... Yeah, before we get out of this podcast, I, I, we had to mention the injury to Kareem Benzema. Um, boy, I mean, what a hit. Like, this World Cup has taken a bunch of hits from an injury perspective, but to now be without the Ballon d'Or winner, um, I guess my initial thought on it is it's it's obviously hugely damaging. Um, but, like, what does it say about that team that they could be coming into this World Cup without Benzema? N'Golo Kante, uh, Kimpembe, Christopher Nkunku, who just got hurt last week, and Paul Pogba. And yet I still think they're one of the favorites. Like, how how incredible of a team do you have to be where you could be without five key players, four of whom are, are probably starters, right? Uh, and you could still be considered one of the favorites. That's Maybe I'm wrong uh, in reading it that way, but like that that's kind of how I looked at it. And I just, like... You just got to kind of be in awe of how good they are. But having said that, this injury is, this will test just how good they are. Yeah, it certainly will. It's such a shame, you know, but I I did say it, was it a week ago or two weeks ago? The worst possible scenario to be just kind of going into the, uh, into the, um, into this game, into the World Cup with with a striker that's kind of struggling with his, with his fitness and a striker that's in his early thirties. That's just not what you want. Uh, Peter Vagno, uh, Vagoni, Vagnoni, how are you all not going to do predictions? Wait, Peter, oh, wait hold on. until the end. Hold on. Wow. Unbelievable. Um, we'll give you predictions and scores at the end. Once we finish talking about the, a couple of other things, guys, just settle. And thank um, you all for turning out great fun tonight. Um, yeah, I just I, I want to see Benzema because you know the next time round is going to be a heck of a lot older. It's four years, some people say. Um, so I don't know. Well, three, really, three and a half. Yeah, that's true. For, <laughs> but we're getting um, we're, we're we're missing peak peak Benzema at a World Cup, and considering how he was exiled from the twenty eighteen team, this does yeah. this does have more of a hint of sadness about that's it. That's the part of it that's a killer. Now you're right; like there is a hint. I guess there is a hint of sadness. That's a that's a fair point. However, it's not like he missed. It's not like his exile was because like he wasn't missing these tournaments because of he he was injured. Like it was kind of like a he it did a bad a, thing. It was yeah. It was a serious character defect uh, arising yeah. from an investigation that was ongoing into something pretty tawdry. Yes, right, correct. So like on the sympathy scale, I guess it rates maybe a little bit on the on the lower end. 
But look, he did the things that he needed to do to work his way back into the good graces of this team. And now when he's at his absolute peak as a player, um, just been named Ballon d'Or winner, best player on a Champions League winning side. uh, And like now he's geared up for a World Cup and to have it taken from him through injury uh, just days before. That's yeah, it's it is for him and selfishly as a fan. Like you again, World Cups. I want to see the best players, and we've been we've been robbed of of a group of them, and that's uh, that's super unfortunate. Sure is, uh, but it is it is the reality of this tournament. All right, so we'll go to to who was that? Rob, who said he wants oh, one predictions. Second. One, one second, I just wanted to say uh, the last few days with uh, before we get to our predictions with Gianni Infantino with the way he addressed everybody yesterday. I mean, I don't think we need to repeat what he said. I think most people have heard it right now. The the whataboutery, the absolute... I mean, it was just a disgraceful, despicable speech. And then to see him sat today beside uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the, um, the head of the Saudi Arabian royal family and the owner of Newcastle United, just, just disgusting. Um, and and the suggestions and illusions he made during in that speech uh, goes to show that really FIFA there, there was a certain amount of reform happened, um, but as uh, as David Kahn, the Guardian journalist, said in the FIFA documentary that FIFA may have largely gotten rid of the large scale corruption that went on with the money changing hands with Chuck Blazer and and Warner and everybody that may have been eradicated to a large extent. But now the biggest thing is that FIFA is aligning itself with some of the worst people in the world and saying some of the most unforgivable, unforgivable things in the world, all just in the service of what generating money and, uh, and, and making money out of autocrats. So just a terrible few days for FIFA, really terrible. Yeah, I mean, you can call it a speech. It was really we were being lectured. We yeah. were being lectured to. And look, I'm not above having my mind changed on an opinion, like the way I feel about a certain thing. Like I, I can be, I can, I can be moved off of a stance. That's maybe that's good, maybe that's bad, but that's that's how I am. Um, this was not one where that happened. Like he lectured us and tried to raise points as to why we're all hypocrites for feeling the way we're feeling. And then his speech ended and I still, it did not move me in the way that I think it did. He, when he was saying that speech, I feel like with his, you know, with his dramatic pauses, with the things he was saying, I felt like there was like inspirational music happening in his head in as, his he, head, as he was yeah. doing it. Um, I was you not know, hearing he, he that. He wanted that everyone music. to go, Andrew, he wanted everyone to go, well, gee, yeah. you know, I never thought about it that way. And it just wasn't happening. Yeah. And look, some of speaking to some of what he said, like on our podcast the other night, we acknowledged that like there there are other host nations for this tournament that are also flawed. So like I get what he's saying, but to me, there's just like when I just think about the stadiums where these games are being held and the lives that it took uh, for these things to be built, like I can't get past that. But I can't I, like just just because the English colonized half the world and colonized my own country doesn't mean I can't point out something that's bad in 2022. It's an absurd position to take. Yeah. Like that, oh, well, everybody should apologize for everything they've done in the last 3,000 years. Okay, fine, yeah. But 
that doesn't mean we don't deal with real world problems right now. Bottom line, and I think somebody asked tonight on the on the live chat, Andrew, could they get a transcription of the things you said the other night about hosting the World Cup in Qatar? And I think we've said everything we need to say for, for this moment anyway about it. But what you said was right. And uh, and just to re-emphasize, nobody's comfortable with any of this. And uh, and certainly Gianni Infantino was not changing anybody's mind with that kind of, I mean, just kind of internet level, Twitter level whataboutery. Yeah, didn't change mine. No. I don't know. Maybe some out there were, didn't change mine. All right, let's uh, do some predictions, sir. All right, so what is it we're predicting here? I mean, well, I, I, the, guy the US, to... the tournament, like I'm not going through here and giving you my bracket. No, don't do no that. No one wants to hear that. No, I'm, I mean, it's too late at night. Uh, let, let's let's consider the game tomorrow. That's what we're here for. Let's let's give a score prediction. Um, You're not going to f- give your overall winner for the tournament? Not now. We're, we're going to be talking. We already did that. Did we? In our I didn't previews. say mine. I don't think I said who I had picked winning the whole thing. Are we going to, we're going to say who's going to win the whole thing? All right. Well, okay. Say, well, well think, do all right. We'll do. We'll do U.S. tomorrow first. I think the U.S. wins two one. And and yeah. if you want goal scores, Pulisic's getting a goal. Uh, and then I think I'm going to go out on a limb here. Maybe a corner kick. Walker Zimmerman rising above. Bang, slams it home. Heads one in. I'm going Pulisic and Zimmerman. The two goal scores. How's that um, for outside the box? Yeah, I won't predict goal scores, but I do think this. Oh game- come on. Don't shout at me like that. Yeah, while you do this, huh? I think it'll be 2-1. I also think it'll be 2-1 to the United States. I think uh, Gareth Bale and I think Brendan Aronson and Tim Weah for the US. Aronson and Weah. Yeah, and I think it'll be a late winner. I'm stuck, JJ. I tried to put my shirt on over my headphones and now oh, I'm sucked in. <laughs> What an idiot. I mean, you're you're just accentuating the weird body syndrome by putting that on over a hoodie. Good Lord. Yeah, I know. It's the headphones that made it difficult. Uh, yeah, let's get it on. Even right. more lumpy Andy. All right. Uh, we should really, get out of- le- really lean into the weird body syndrome. <laughs> we should get out of this because uh, the animals are just asking you to dab at this point now. Uh, oh, no, someone, says, not. someone says a Tarimi hat trick tomorrow. <laughs> wouldn't we love that my overall winner for the tournament uh no creativity involved here i just think this is the best team i think they're due i don't know what that means exactly like but it's just time it's time for brazil to win another world cup and i think this team is more than capable of it i think unfortunately what's happened with france in the last you know week months with injuries i think will have an effect in some way and the latter stages i think france will still advance and do well but um if they get up against you know some of the the teams above them it's going to be tough i think it's brazil i think it's brazil i think it's their time i'm just going to be uh weird about it and say even without a striker how about spain what about spain their trendy young manager on the sideline i mean that's a tough you don't think that they're I mean, they're definitely in the upper tiers of this, no question about it. But boy, what a thing that would be to have guys like Gavi and Pedri lead them on some kind of run that actually results in them winning this whole thing. I mean, that's, I don't know, that's tough. Why not Spain? That's how I'm selling it. I mean, there probably are reasons. Like, 
Yeah, there are so definitely. We're we supposed and, to respond, or and 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 uh, I think we saw a lot of them. But I'm I'm just going to try and be different, a little bit edgy, Andrew. Um, so listen, what I was going to do was a dramatic reading from one of my many books to see us out. Oh, can you please? I know how much we would love that. Here's what I'll show say. The, I will show the animals this. I thought my mother had thrown it out and I was bitterly resenting her for it. But look, FA Cup semi-final program, 22nd of April, 2006, Old Trafford, Manchester, Liverpool versus Chelsea. Look at that. How nice uh, is that? Yeah, that's a program of a game. Huh? That yeah. is that is special to me with uh, Gerard and Lampard on the front. Nice. That's cool. That's very nice. All right. Um, I'll say this. I, like like we've been talking about, we've all waited a long time for this. Uh, have fun. Everyone have fun with this. Like if you're going to a bar, just like enjoy the whole day. Try to like, I know a lot of people are going to be at work when this is going on. Try to carve out the time. Take a long lunch. Like eight and a half years is a long time to wait for a thing that we care deeply about. Uh, so enjoy the hell out of it. Send us your photos at CO Soccer Pod. We want to see all of, you know where you're at watching the game. Uh, send us videos of, of your reactions, all of that stuff. We'll, of course, have a podcast out tomorrow night or depending on when you're listening to this. Well, you're listening live, right, actually. So, yeah, tomorrow night um, talking about U.S. and England or, or U.S. and Wales, looking ahead to U.S. and England. Um, but I hope everyone has fun. This was fun. I enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh, getting to interact with you guys. I hope to, that we're able to do this even more. That's the plan moving forward. Definitely, We, we need to upgrade our, our tech a bit, but we will. So JJ, I'll be honest. This is, like I said, if we had done some trial run of this back when nobody was, was around to see it or anything like that, I would know what to do now. I don't know how this ends. I mean, I, I'll, I'll say the things I normally say, but then what, do we just kind of sit here and stare? Yeah, uh, no, I will end the stream. So all you got to do is do your usual thing. Well, hey, everyone, have fun. I mean it. This is a great day coming up for the U.S. tomorrow. It's going to be a great time at the start of what should hopefully be a great month of, of soccer. JJ, to you, I say... Check you later, fun boys. 2-1 USA. Later, Take care, buddy. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.